Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Highlights Foundation, offering intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. I've loved each of my visits to Highlights for the time away to write, the opportunity to be in community with other writers, the talented and supportive faculty, the delicious meals and wonderful accommodations, and, quite frankly, the opportunity to get away from distractions and to write in the mountains of Northeast Pennsylvania. They've got some really outstanding workshops I want to highlight, including Nurturing Your Artistic Voice, a guide for kid-lit rebels and risk-takers, September 22nd to 25th, 2019, with Newbery-winning author Meg Medina, author-illustrator Carolyn D. Flores, and associate art director Elise Lee. And specifically for picture book illustrators, Storytelling Through Drawing, Discovering Your Visual Voice and Style, October 17-20, to 20, 2019, with James Ransom, Anna Raff, Jerry Pinckney, Lucy Ruth Cummins, and Sean Qualls. You and your career are worth the investment. Learn more about these and other workshops and online courses by visiting highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. <laughs> because Amy and I are both teachers, and when you're on summer break, you get a whole lot of your own children, <laughs> and they want to do things all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I hear from all my teacher friends and my friends who have kids in school, that they can't wait for school to start back up again. I mean, for real, I never thought that that was going to be a thing, but each year, Isabel, it becomes more and more like, please, please, August, come, please. <laughs> <laughs> Is it serving a memory, or is it serving the story? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 524. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm speaking with Isabel Quintero and Zeke Peña about My Poppy Has a Motorcycle. The story is based on memories from Isabel's childhood, but it's also more than that. The story centers on Daisy, her father, and their nightly tradition of riding on Poppy's motorcycle through the neighborhood and town. We take in a lot as we ride along with Daisy and Poppy. We see the construction site where Poppy and his co-workers have labored all day. We take in the citrus iconography throughout town, nodding to the importance of the crop to the town. We see how the city is changing at the hands of gentrification. We recall historic car races on the very paths that take Daisy and Poppy through town. 
Isabel and Zeke talk throughout our conversation about asking if what is being written or illustrated is serving a memory or serving the story. I think you'll find it's the right amount of both at play here that make this picture book so exceptional. Please welcome my guests, Isabel Quintero and Zeke Pena, author and illustrator of My Papi Has a Motorcycle. My name is Isabel Quintero, she, her, and um, I'm the daughter of Mexican immigrants. I live in Southern California. I write books for children and young adults. I'm an adjunct college professor. Um, I teach composition, not creative writing, um, and I just really enjoy uh, writing for children. I like beckles. I like theater, you know, just, um, and watching comedies, I guess. I don't know. That's just basic stuff about me that readers may not know. Hello, my name is Zeke Benya, and um, he, his, and him. And uh, yeah, so I'm an illustrator. Um, I'm also a cartoonist, so I really like comic books. And a lot of my style is kind of influenced by that. Uh, And also movies, cinema, stuff like that. But yeah, primarily I I get to draw all day. um, And I do do some uh, creative direction on certain projects. So yeah. Well, I'm glad that that you've both been working together for a couple of years now. You make really beautiful work together. And my papi has a motorcycle. Your newest book together is gorgeous, like legitimately gorgeous. So um, (laughs) awesome. Thank you. To experience a picture book when I don't have students, because we're recording this over the summer, feels like the greatest injustice because it would be one that I would run and just share with them. But I know that it's going to be a book that we'll enjoy all school year long. And I'm certainly grateful to have had the opportunity to enjoy it with my children at home. Um, particularly um, shout out to my four-year-old daughter who picked this book up out of a pile because your uh, your cover has a unicorn on a helmet. Yes. <laughs> shout out to them. <laughs> shout, out to them. <laughs> shout out to unicorns. <laughs> yeah. Aye, aye. But um, before we go much further, um, Isabel, would you mind introducing this book to those that haven't encountered it yet? Um, sure. So my puppy has a motorcycle and is a book about a young girl, Daisy Ramona, and who rides on the back of her father's mo- motorcycle. He gets home from work, puts on the back of her his motorcycle and takes her around her city. And that's how she gets to learn about her city. That's how she gets to know and fall in love with her city on the back of her dad's motorcycle. She witnesses the changes that her city is going through. Um, some you know, not so good changes, and um, but ultimately, it's a it's a story about love and uh, the love between a father and daughter, and the love between uh, someone you know, the Daisy Ramon and her city. I found this picture book to be incredibly intimate, Isabel. It felt um, I don't know if personal is the right word. It just felt like I was getting getting a, a real honest glimpse into life, though from an individual, from a writer that that knows how to speak a lot of truth into stories. And so I just wanted to tell you that I appreciated that about this book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is based on a, on a memory. So, you know, when I was a kid, my dad would get home from work and he'd put me on the back of his motorcycle and um, we'd ride around our neighborhood. And, um, 
which is in Corona, who the book is dedicated to, Corona, California, which is where I grew up. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that came through. Oh, I didn't even realize that it was that, that direct. Um, or I had forgotten, I should say, because there's a, a <laughs> lovely author's note in the back. But the the tie-in to to the changes that the neighborhood is 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 experiencing, but also um, getting to go see where Dad works, uh, I found it particularly alluring. There's so much I've realized as an adult that that I didn't ask as a kid, or that I got these glimpses of of my dad as a child. Um, mm-hmm. But even still, I think I don't quite know what he does. Maybe I know about as much as he does now as I did when I was a child. <laughs> but but this um, the the way that Daisy just adores her father, and uh, that he uh, does take her out and just has that 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 bonding time together was something that I think that um, a lot of readers will be able to share those those moments that they've stolen away with their uh, particular family members. I thought that was a particular thing that the individuals will connect with. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, as, as a kid, I would go to work with my dad sometimes. He'd take us or my mom would go and take him lunch. And so we'd sit there and it's the, they were very special memories. You know, and as an adult, I, you know, I, I always knew what my parents did as a kid. Um, I don't know, being working class, I don't know if that's part of it, but like, you know, you, you know what your parents do because it's what puts food on the table. Um, and my dad being a carpenter, like obviously he had his tools at home. And so I knew I just enjoyed seeing my dad um, as more than just dad. Although at that age, I didn't know that's what it was, you know, like now as an adult, like seeing him with his coworkers and joking around and the rapport he had with them and just, knowing that my dad built things and he built homes where people lived in, you know, and that it helped, you know, help do that. Um, it, it's kind of a neat thing, even as an adult to think about that, you know, who built what and, and, and it's important, I think, to recognize those people. I think to be able to go around your neighborhood too and know or, or to hear from dad all the different things that he had his hands on, all the different ways that he influenced. We sort of get a nod at that when we meet the librarian in the uh, story coming from the store. But just the way that the dad knows the community and that also Daisy and how he knows the community, I thought was really cool. Yeah. It, it, um, you know, my dad is, is a talker, much like myself. And so I go, <laughs> I go, you know, I go with him, you know, to, there's a lot of different places in, in the book that Zeke um, did a really good job of, you know, I, I took pictures of where I grew up and send them to him. And so there's a lot of places in there that no longer exist, but there'd be places in, that do exist. Like um, there's a Carni City and there a meat market. And I remember going there with my dad to, you know, cash checks and, and hearing him talk to people and, and just being part of the routine and the people there knew him and they still know him, you know, um, and, you know, or the gas station and knowing that are going, you know, not just my dad, but different family members and how, you know, our neighborhoods were kind of connected, you know, how connected to place we were and to the people in the place. Yeah. Zeke, did you and Isabel start on this picture book together? Uh, did you like from idea or or you just knew that you were going to be able to do this book together? 
Um, yeah, so I think that Isabel pretty much had the story figured out. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Isabel, but it was something that she had been working on and thinking on for a while. And yeah, I was grateful that she kind of brought it to me to to brainstorm it. I think she had maybe sent it around to a couple places. Um, but, you know, as soon as I kind of like read the story, you know, I saw how in the same way that you kind of saw how connected it was and how personal the story it was. Um, and knowing that I could work very well with Isabel, it, it was, yeah, I mean, I was certain that I kind of wanted to work on it with her. Um, yeah. You employ this color palette that is, well, I mean, I think also thinking of the, the sweet treat that they have in, in the end of the story, I feel like your entire color palette is just like sweet and delicious, not to sound sure. cliche, but it's yeah. just these like sherbet sunset colored tones it's a beautiful beautiful palette to 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 be absorbed into as we're riding on the back of this motorcycle yeah thanks uh so the color palette was you know something that was really intentional um i think you know growing up here so i grew up here in el paso and um the sunsets here are are pretty similar to the sunsets in california um and so there's just something really unique about them, the vastness of the sky. And there's just sort of a tone that washes over the sky and the colors that wash over the sky. And I think it's something that's really familiar to people who grew up in this area. So uh, I guess I just want to um, kind of convey that, you know, it's, it's also, for me, it, they're very calming colors, you know, um, that's when you get to like, that's the time of day when you get to see your parents when they come home from work. And that's the time of day that you kind of like eat dinner and, um, and, uh, you know, this, and it's the time of day that, you know, Daisy gets to go on this super fun ride. So it's throughout the the book. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a consistent. So using the palette of the sunset, it just kind of made sense. That's beautiful. And, and like those memories of, of experiencing the sunset, it, the sun just paints itself onto every surface. Hmm. It just transforms all the buildings, all the, all the billboards, all the signs, everything. And it just, uh, I don't know, it just really brings things together. You know, there's, um, I like your comics sensibility throughout, using a lot of paneled art and these great, like, uh, graphic words that, again, reading with a four-year-old, she's now really paying attention to things like this. So there was a lot of speech bubbles that <laughs> were being pointed out to me before I was getting to them yet. Or there were lots of moments like that that she really wanted to participate in but one of the lines that first caught my attention Isabel do you mind if I read some of your text to you oh no sure which I, I can't nearly do justice you've written such beautiful poetic text but this one moment that we get in the very beginning with the camera if you will looking down on Poppy and Daisy reads the shiny blue metal of the motorcycle glows in the sun the sun the sun the bright orange sun is on its way down, turning our sky blue and purple and gold. We become a spectacular celestial thing, soaring on asphalt, a comet, the sawdust falling from Poppy's hair and clothes becoming a tail following us. My word, you know how to paint with words. Holy cow. <laughs> Thank I mean, you. I I try my best. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I know your work from photographic. I know that's that's my point of reference with you. And and I, it's just, it's wonderful. 
as I said before, um, I'm so grateful that you made this beautiful book together. But I wonder where, if this is a story you've always been hoping to tell because of your memory with your father, or if if there was a certain moment that, that really brought this story to the forefront to be able to tell it in this picture book format. Yeah, I think I, um, you know, I was working on this story since, I want to say maybe 2009, 2008. And um, it was, I'd been working on it um, when I started working on my first novel, Gabrielle Girl in Pieces. And, um, you know, working at the same time, just kind of taking um, a survey or taking a, account of, of different memories and, and, and complicated relationships with, um, with parents, right? And so I have, you know, if you read Gabrielle Girl in Pieces or if you've read any interviews about that book, there's a very different father in that book. But I think um, I also wanted to celebrate, like, how awesome, you know, um, my dad is and how great, um, you know, I hold some of, or how close I hold some of these memories, like riding the back of the motorcycle with him and just how special those moments were. And I wanted to share that, um, you know, and as the story developed and I, and I worked it more, um, you know, and speaking with Namrata and speaking with Zeke, um, and I should say, and I tell this to Zeke all the time, and I've said it in other interviews with him, like, you know, he, Zeke is a really good editor. Um, and one thing, and I have it on my whiteboard now, and every time I write, this is what I think of, you know, he always asks me, you know, is it serving the memory or is it serving the story? And it's something um, that I try to keep in mind about, you know, that the function of the story isn't just to serve the memory, but to tell like a bigger story so it connects with more readers, you know? <laughs> and um, I, so with this, with this book, like I, I did want to, I wanted to tell a story about a working class father, a father who goes to work, and and the kids know where he goes to work, and um, and he builds things, and Daisy Ramona appreciates that he builds things, that he builds things in their community, and so that not only do they live there, but they are a part of their community because he has helped construct these things, you know, and so um, and also I I. I saw a lot of things in the community I grew up with disappear, things that kind of made it a community. So I wanted to touch on that too, but I didn't want it to be like, this is a book about gentrification. You know, I wanted it to be a book about love and to tell a story about love that even though things do change, like at the end, you know, um, people and, and those relationships um, are what really matters and what we need to hold on to. The, um, yes. I don't mean to step in that way. I'm so sorry. There was no, a moment. Sorry. No, you I really might've... brought us to a beautiful moment. And then I just interrupted you. I apologize. Did I cut you no, off? No, no, no. <laughs> if, if I could just react, the yes. moment when um, Daisy and dad drive past the store that's boarded up, um, there was just a moment in my mind that that's where we were going. And we got to this place that's boarded up and was it all for nothing and of course it wasn't but that to me was how strong that emotional point was I think I uh grew up riding riding bicycles with my mom and dad and my brother and and we went from being on the back of the of of our parents bikes and riding like all the way through Williamsport Pennsylvania over this like Market Street Bridge to get ice cream 
to us riding our own bikes. And I remember in that time of growing up, things boarding up, things closing, milestones that we would pass that wouldn't exist anymore. And I think when that moment occurred in your book, there was a strong pang that brought me back. And I I wonder as well, um, thinking of reading it as an adult, um, for those adults that will be reading your book to children, um, what moments that they they too might experience. Yeah, how, no, I think, yeah. um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, and just how, I don't know how you write for both audiences, but I know really good books accomplish that. I don't know if that's something as a writer that you, that you set out to do to connect to, you know, the child reader and also the adult reader, but it's something you do here really well. And I want to acknowledge that. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Each box is built around one to two books of the month that feature strong female characters and or people of color. Their books are selected by a team of teachers, librarians, and parents. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com podcast to get started today. Raise good humans, one children's book at a time. Thank you. You know, I um, I was in elementary school library tech for about six years, a little bit more than six years. And so I got very intimate with like picture books and what I liked and what I didn't like and what the kids connected to and what, what makes just basically a good story, you know. And I think that's ultimately what I set out to do, just try and tell a good story and that's, um, and, and to the best of my abilities, and that's, you know, and if the story is directed at children, um, I think adults should be able to enjoy it also. Like, if it's a good story, you know, it shouldn't, um, it, and I imagine the book, I guess, being read together with, you know, families, um, and also as a read aloud, like librarians being able to read this book to their, and teachers being able to read this book to their class. Um, Cause I always, I, I have my teacher hat on all the time. Like how can this be used in the classroom, <laughs> right? Good, and so I, I think about those things because, you know, I want to be able to, you know, when I'm teaching, teach a text or read a text that I'm going to enjoy and not just my class is going to enjoy. And so I don't know if that transfers over, but. Ultimately, I just I just want to tell a good story. I think you do. And I think that, Zeke, your art also tells such a beautiful story, bringing to life this city, the city that we know from the citrus that you've then put all throughout the city, not just on that billboard, but there's just nods all throughout, as well as Daisy telling us. And then the cars and the way that you've um, postured a lot of the... Um, a lot of our characters riding on the motorcycle to, to um, mimic those gestures, especially going around that, that turn of the cars, hugging the turn. I think that, um, I think that you've really given a voice 
to the city, both you and Isabel, but, but your art really conveys the voice of the city. Yeah, I mean, it was it was something that we had talked about, you know, it's such an important part of the story that Isabel wrote, um, you know, is this place and we were, you know, trying to find the balance uh, myself, you know, in the illustrations, trying to find the balance between being specific enough to where, you know, uh, we're referencing Corona, but also being general enough to where people who live in other places can also identify things and, and you know, read into those kind of uh, elements of a city that they know from where they're growing up, you know? Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think that there was also just um, a certain level of like adding in those small details. I know that, you know, when I read, um, you know, children's books or if I'm reading like a comic or something, I'm going to go kind of revisit it. Um, and also when I'm reading it, you know, initially it's like you were saying with your four-year-old, your four-year-old jumping ahead and wanting to point to like the talk, the, you know, speech bubbles or, maybe jumping ahead and wanting to point to a cat, you know, or something. So just kind of embracing that non, non-linear way of reading um, and just adding enough in there to where people, you can kind of like jump around and go to a different place on the page and come back to it, or maybe sit down for a second or third read and you'll find something that you didn't find the first time. So yeah, it's just a matter of like finding that balance and, um, you know, having, you know, I, I reference there, there are certain things that I reference that come like where I'm from, but they're also general enough to where I know there's they also exist like in Corona. So it's like it, it's nice to have this. It's like I guess like a language, right? It's like a cultural language or like a visual language that you can use and, and people are bringing their own histories to it. You know, um, they see something, they see like a little, you know, they see a raspa or a raspado and they like they connect to it in a different way than people do, you know, in a different place. So yeah, it's just kind of nice to add those little details in there. I love it. Oh, and <laughs> Isabel, I have to tell you, you made my son smile with this, um, toward the end where I was looking at the, the, um, the room, the line reads, here it is all our beautiful city. Perhaps, you know, Isabel, where I'm going with this. My eyes try to catch everything, but the colors of houses blend into one another. Red, blue, green, orange, pink. (laughs) When he was reading that book, and he was trying to decipher the word, and then (laughs) got it, and then reread it. I should say for people listening, that red, blue, green, orange, pink is just one (laughs) long compound word. And it just is a monster. It's like, it takes up the entire line. Let's say it's a monster Mm -hmm. of of a word. And it just made him smile he was just delighting in that moment that that you left right there for him so oh um, i'm so happy to hear that (laughs) i think as i brought was brought back to my head as you were saying about working in the library and all the books you were reading and in that way sort of all the ways you were studying children's literature and just to do something a little different like that was so playful and fun ah yeah i that's part of my um you know I, I started off writing poetry yeah. and so there's, you know, uh, it, it transfers over to my writing all the time, to my prose. That makes and, perfect uh, sense. Yeah. I like it that way. Just, <laughs> you know, like with poetry, there's more, a little, I think often a little bit more permission to play with language and experiment a little bit more. And so I try to use those, those tools that I have in writing prose as well. Yeah. Wait, Zeke, how did you come into working in children's literature? 
Um, so yeah, just, uh, this is pretty much my first, um, you know, attempt at making something for children, at least for this age. For this I've age, been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, which was a, kind of a, you know, a challenge, uh, uh, in itself. So I had made stuff for YA age. I've been making stuff for YA age for about five years. Yeah. Your cover um, on David Bola's book, They Call Me Ghetto, uh, is yeah. gorgeous and like, uh, I feel like it, it just, it gives that book, it makes it so easily identifiable. Hmm. You just know yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Your design, yeah, so... What am I trying to say? Like your voice is a designer or what have you, you know, illustrator term to mean that you're awesome. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I give a shout out to like my mom here and also my sister. <laughs> So there, my mom is an educator, you know, she's a teacher for a really long time. She's been a principal, superintendent, like she's done the whole thing. And so in my thinking, and this, this kind of has affected my work or influenced my work since I've been making work, you know, starting in high school is uh, just like keeping young people in mind, you know, um, I, you know, if a young person can understand it, then like anyone can understand it. And I think that we're all, some of those messages are sometimes a little clearer because, you know, um, they just kind of cut to the point, you know, a little bit. And not to say that I'm, like, simplifying or dumbing things down, because young people are capable of really complex thinking, you know. So I think that, um, you know, in working on, you know, these illustrations for children for the first time, I didn't really change much, to be honest. Um, There's some things that I did for scale. I made things maybe just a little bit bigger, um, just so, you know, those expressions kind of stand out. I tried to make it really, really animated and really active. So although the line is very, like, a very active and dynamic line. And then, you know, color for me, I tried to brighten things up a little bit. I sometimes tend to like gray things out or want to dull things out a little bit. So I tried to push it, you know, a little bit in that respect. Um, but yeah, in terms of how I, you know, got working, you know, on books was really uh, Gabby, A Girl in Pieces, which was published by Cinco Puntos Press, uh, shout out to them. Um, which was Isabel's first book was also my first, uh, work to be, you know, published in the book industry. So, um, that's kind of how I got started. You know, they, they gave me a shot at doing cover work. I had been working, you know, in the music industry for a while and doing some graphic design, um, doing cover work, you know, mostly some brandings and things like that. But, um, Gabby, a girl in pieces was the first time that I got to do a cover and it was published on like a mass or what I consider to be a mass scale, you know? Um, and so just since, just since then, it's just been a development of trying to learn those kind of like different age levels and, and reading levels. Well, I love that you have a partner to do this with Yeah, me too. <laughs> over many, many Very works. Grateful. And I hope sincerely that, that uh, you both have the opportunity to work together again in the future, regardless of what, the ages because uh, I, I really think that you make beautiful things together. Mm. It was great. And I, I just, I mean, it, it's, there's a handful of books each year that I just delight in so much that I really am just giddy over them. And I struggle to find the language to talk about them. But I, so I apologize for any stumbling, stuttering, whatever that, that, that uh, you're just getting, I think unadulterated joy in this and i appreciate that both of you have brought that thank you so much for bringing that to our to our children to our readers well thank you for letting us in your home and you know taking us to classrooms and you know, <laughs> to all the children and parents who are reading our work 
appreciate it. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. For those that haven't had a chance to to have that moment or to meet this book yet, uh, I want to give you a chance to speak to the readers. Um, and so, Isabel, I'll start with you with this question. I will see a library full of children, not tomorrow, but soon. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Um, I think, you know, I, I tell kids, especially in this climate, that um, that we're thinking about them, that us writers, you know, that me as a writer, I'm, I'm thinking about them and I care about them and, I, you know, um, I want them to be happy and that they are loved and um, that I want to, you know, that I always keep them in mind when I'm writing and I, and I hope uh, to continue to write more, you know, more stories for them because that's what I want to do. I want to bring joy to them by writing stories for them. You have seen so many children with this picture book alone. I love, I love that. I, Zeke, I will see a library full of children soon. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I would just echo, obviously, what Isabel says about, you know, caring about our future generations. And, um, you know, most of the work that I do is geared towards, you know, young people and their future and keeping in mind their future, not only for themselves, but for this planet and for our communities. Um, and, you know, I would say that a message I would give is to that your story is very important. Um and I would encourage you to write down your story to continue drawing. Um, you know, I've watched I've watched my nephews grow up, and I I've I always draw with all of my nieces and nephews. And you know, it's always it's like a sad thing for me to see my nephews, my oldest nephew, like grow out of feeling comfortable drawing when he was such a like creative and imaginative you know young person, and he still is, you know. But I guess we 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 learn all these inhibitions. And, um, yeah, so I would just encourage people to, uh, you know, young people to really write down their stories, to draw, to be creative, uh, to be imaginative, because your story is important and valid. This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. 
Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.